Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. I got the memo about the shirt. Maybe a little late, but I got it. <laughs> Can you believe it's Christmas Eve? What a fantastic time of the year this is. And um, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear Christmas Eve in my brain, I'm thinking like the night before Christmas. And every time I thought I'm preaching on Christmas Eve, I had to remind myself it was in the morning. <laughs> it's in the morning. And is your Christmas tree up? Have you managed to get it up and decorate it and get all those presents out there? Well, in our house, we have this great tradition of every year, we put up a Christmas tree. It's a huge tree. It's like two meters high. And Heather and I, wherever we go, we always buy Christmas ornaments. And we put those ornaments on the tree, and it's all done. But this year, we got two kittens. And the kittens have been attacking the tree. One of the more adventurous ones jumped up and started to climb the tree to find somewhere to roost. And so our Christmas tree went down very quickly. And we've now got a tiny Christmas tree sitting on the top of the highest stand that we could find. But I'm sure your Christmas tree is much better than that. I'm sure you've got it all decorated and brightly lit up. And you've got a huge pile of presents at the base of your tree. And it's a wonderful time of year, isn't it? Christmas, when we give and we receive gifts, and there's so much joy around. And you know, even Jesus received gifts, and we're going to be reading about that in Matthew chapter 2. The Bible says in Matthew 2, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for this child. And when you find him, Come back and tell me so I too can go and worship him. Right. After the, this interview, the wise men, they were wise, went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for this year. Whatever has happened in this year, we join in with the book of James and we count it all joy. Whatever has happened in this year, oh God, we obey 1 Thessalonians and we give thanks in every circumstance. Not necessarily for that circumstance, but that you can turn all things beautiful in your time. Thank you for sending us your son Jesus all those years ago, born a baby in Bethlehem. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for giving up heaven's glory to take the form of a slave and to come and serve and save us, humbling yourself in obedience to God and dying a criminal's death on the cross. Amen. The story we just read was of the three wise men bringing their gifts to, to the baby Jesus. And I always had that picture in my mind, three wise men coming to the stable. There's the baby Jesus in the manger, and they give him their gifts. But when you read the story more carefully, you find that that's not the case. Um, we see that in Matthew 2, 11, it says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother. So they entered a house. It wasn't a stable. And they saw the child. It wasn't a baby. And he was with his mother, Mary. And we don't even know that there were three wise men, but the number three gets associated with it because... They opened their treasure chests, and out of it, they brought three gifts. And when they opened their treasure chests, they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How special is that, to open your treasure chest and bring out these gifts to give to the divine king, the child, Jesus Christ, living in a house? So what were these gifts that they brought? The first gift was gold. And gold is known for its purity. It's known as the only gift worthy of being given to a king. And King Jesus was certainly worthy of receiving the gift of gold. The second gift that they gave was frankincense. And frankincense is not something we might be familiar with, but in Exodus 30, we, we read that in the temple, they took frankincense and they mixed it with other things and they created an incense that they put into the temple, and they burnt it. And as they burnt it, the aroma, the smoke went up from earth all the way to heaven. And it speaks about bridging that gap between the earth and the heavens. And who better than Jesus, who was the king of heaven, who bridged that gap and came to earth as a baby at Christmas time. And the final gift was myrrh. We also read in Exodus 30 that myrrh, was made into a special anointing oil that was used for the priests. And it anointed the priests to set apart for the work of God. And Jesus was set apart for the work of God. And, you know, these priests, they were a bit different from everybody else in Israel. When they went into the promised land, everybody was given a part of the land, except for the priests who had no inheritance in the land. They were entitled to it. They were part of the nation, but they gave up that entitlement in order to serve God's purpose. And that's the same thing that Jesus did as he came. And so there were these three gifts that were given to Jesus. And here we are, years later, 
centuries later, eons later, today, still giving gifts in celebration of that special time. And you know, in our culture, it's a real faux pas, isn't it, to not give a gift when you should. Like, imagine if there's someone you love and there's a special occasion you don't give a gift, how awkward is that? Or what if they had given you a gift, but you'd forgotten to give them a gift? Or it was a special occasion? Ooh. And who has given you the greatest gift you've ever received? It is Jesus. In Romans we read, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the greatest gift that anyone has ever given. Think about all the wrong things that you've ever done. There's no way you can ever pay the price of that. But Jesus has paid the price, and he has that free gift of forgiveness. Do you think it's right that people can do evil in the world and get away with it? I don't, and neither does the Bible. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And you know, just as if you had a job and you did the job, you'd get paid wages for doing that job. So it is with sin. If you do sin, there's a wage that is a result of that sin. And the Bible says that is death. Death. But Jesus has come and given us the free gift of eternal life. And so, I say this to you today. The best decision you can ever make is to give your heart to Jesus, to accept that free gift of eternal life. And wherever you might be in your walk of finding God, I say to you, it's the best decision you can ever make, is the decision to give your heart to Jesus and accept that free gift of forgiveness. So it's Christmas Eve, 2,000 years, a tradition of exchanging gifts, giving and getting, You've gotten the greatest gift available to you from Jesus. So let me ask you a question. You've got your beautiful tree at home with lights and decorations and a great pile of presents. Have you got a present for Jesus? It's his birthday. It's the reason for the season. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. You know, my parents had this tradition in our family around Christmas time. They'd go out and they'd buy about seven or eight round tins of biscuits, and they'd wrap it up in this Christmas wrapping, and they'd squirrel it away in the room. And then around Christmas time, you know, people would drop in and bring a box of chocolates or whatever, and they'd be talking to them, and then mum or dad would duck off into the bedroom, grab one of these tins of biscuits, write their name on it, come out and give it to them. It was quite funny, really. Sometimes someone would come with a round tin of biscuits to give to them and leave with a different round tin of biscuits. <laughs> so what are you going to do about Jesus? He's standing there. He's given you this gift. He's in your front room. You don't need to duck off into the bedroom and squirrel away a tin of biscuits for him. Now, you might be thinking, but Pramod, it's so hard to find a gift for Jesus. Like, what do you give the God who has everything? And I'm sure some of you have got people like that on your Christmas shopping list. Like, what do you give them? What do you give the God who has everything? Well, I reflect on myself as a father, 
And I love it when my children give me gifts. But from the time they were little, I've always said to them, I don't want any gift that's been bought in a shop. I want a gift that comes from your heart, something that really reflects your love and your feelings. And so every year from about that age until now, I get all kinds of gifts like that. A very typical gift is that I would get a book of vouchers. And the voucher would say something like, this voucher entitles dad to a free hug. And you know what? I very seldomly use those vouchers. I've been collecting them and I've got a huge pile. And I fully intend to use every last one of them in the future. <laughs> and God's like that. He wants gifts from you that come from your heart. Not gifts that you bought in a shop, but open your treasure chest and bring something precious that you can give to him. And you know, it's not a secret what God wants from us. It's not something hidden away, some special knowledge that you've got to find. Actually, God doesn't need you to climb a mountain or cross a barren desert. He's made it clear in his word. Well, let us read in Micah 6. <clears throat> what can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O oh people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Have you ever gone to like a restaurant and sat at a table, and it's wobbles backwards and forwards, it's on uneven ground. I think of these three things as a three-legged table. And did you know like a three-legged table is always stable? It doesn't matter how uneven the ground might be. And so these three legs are to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The first of that is to do what is right. The first gift that the wise men brought was gold. Gold is known for its purity. It's the only gift worthy to be given to a king. And Job said that when God had tried and tested him, he would come out as gold, reflecting the fact that gold had purity. Gold was precious. Or to say it a simple way, doing what is right is the gold standard of faith. And just as gold is pure and not contaminated, so too, doing what is right is us not being contaminated. But doing what is right is more than just not sinning. In Psalm 82, we read, give justice to the poor and the orphans. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. Stu preached a few weeks ago a great message on being the salt of the earth. And it was a great message, and if you've missed it, you can, like his students, find it on YouTube. <laughs> we are to season the world in which we live with our salt. Everywhere that you exist and be and do and are is your sphere of influence where you are called to be salt. And we season the world with truth and with justice and by doing what is right. And, you know, if you want to do more than that, 
if you want to be involved with justice for the poor and orphans, upholding the rights of the oppressed and the destitute, rescuing the poor and the helpless, we have a great beyond ministry in our church. Since I took on this role of caretaking, I found out all the things we do, it blew my mind. And you can be involved in that too. The second leg of this table is to love mercy. To do what is right, to love mercy. And the second gift that the wise men gave was frankincense. Now, we read in Exodus, it is in Exodus 20, and I talked about it earlier, the special incense that was lit and that went up and connected earth to heaven, connected Jesus, the king of heaven who came to earth as a baby. But you know, it also connects the truth of God with the love of God. And so as we come and look at this, it has this bridging effect, just like incense did between heaven and earth to bridge justice and truth. In Zechariah 7, we read, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Judge fairly, show mercy and kindness to one another. We are the salt of the earth. But as Pastor Steve preached, we should not use that as an official excuse to be a jerk. And um, Dave Hocking, in his course on mercy, wrote this so beautifully that I just want to read it to you. He said, truth needs to be spoken, but mercy needs to be combined with truth. They go together. Truth without mercy becomes calloused, hard, cold. It is often legalistic. And mercy without truth becomes sentimental and wishy-washy and does not take a stand. And mercy alone is not courageous and has no holiness to it. It must be mercy and truth. So that's the second leg of our table. The third leg of our table is to walk humbly with your God. And we, I talked earlier about myrrh, which was used to make this anointing oil for the priests. And the priests, like Jesus, our priest, were set apart and had no inheritance in the land, even though they were entitled to an inheritance. And so when it comes to humility, the question is, what is humility? And humility is not just letting people walk all over you. It's not being a doormat. And the best definition that I could find about humility is by defining not what humility is, but by what it is not. Humility is the opposite of entitlement. In Numbers, we read that Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. So why does the Bible describe Moses as being so humble? You know, Moses was brought up as a prince of Egypt. He was part of the royal family. He was entitled to the very best that Egypt could offer, the very best palaces, the very best food, the very best beds, the very best entertainment, the very best of everything Moses was entitled to. But what does Hebrews 11 say? It says, he, talking about Moses, thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead for his great reward. Moses, 
He was entitled to all of that from Egypt, but he laid it aside because he was looking to serve the purposes of God. He was looking for a better reward, a great reward, an eternal reward. And while Moses was the most humble man who ever lived at that time, I believe the most humble man who has ever lived in history is Jesus Christ. Just like Moses was a king, a prince of Egypt, Jesus Christ was the king of heaven, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was entitled to the best palace that heaven could provide, the best food, the best entertainment, the best of everything. But you know what it says in Philippians 2? Let us read. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we started with the baby Jesus in Bethlehem, and we end with Jesus Christ the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here we are at this Christmas season. It's a great season of gift giving and receiving. And Jesus Christ's birth is what we celebrate. He has given us the greatest gift anyone can ever give, which is the pardon of our sins, to pay the price that we should have paid for our sins, the free gift of God's eternal life. And so I ask you today, will you give Jesus your heart? Like my children, open up that treasure chest, the most precious thing, your heart. Will you give it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to accept that offer of eternal life. And you know, Jesus is right now at the door of your heart and knocking. And he's such a gentleman. He will never force you to do anything. He just knocks and waits for you to respond. But let me tell you that if you respond to him, if you take the smallest step of faith towards him, he takes the most gigantic leap towards you and fights in your corner. And maybe you've given your heart to Jesus and you're following him. And then my challenge for you today is, have you got a gift for Jesus out of your heart to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And so I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. And when the service concludes, the altars are going to be open. And the best place to bring your gift to Jesus is bring it on the altar. Come up and give your gift to Jesus on the altar. Say, Jesus, it's Christmas Eve. Here I am. Here's my gift for you for Christmas Day tomorrow. And how wonderful would it be to on Christmas Eve 2023 be the year that 
you give your heart to Jesus. Be the, the service in which you give your three precious gifts to Jesus. So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and say these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your free gift. I want to accept that free gift and make you Lord of my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. And I've been following you, Jesus. I want to bring my three gifts to you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with my God. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.